Luke, the 15th chapter. We'll begin our reading in the 11th verse. This is a familiar passage of scripture. We pray that God gives us fresh insight in a familiar place. Stand to your feet if you have it. Luke 15. I'm going to be reading for you. I'm going to skip a couple of verses. I'm going to be reading verses 11 through 13. Then I'm going to read verse 20. Then I'm going to skip down to verse 25. Luke 15. Starting at the 11th verse, Jesus continued with this parable. He says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Verse 20, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him for our sermonic presentation this morning, verses 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked, what was going on or what did these things mean? Verse 27, and he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. Father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes home who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. I want to lift up verses 27 and 28 again. Your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. Amen. Would you look at your neighbor this morning and just say, neighbor, don't be mad and don't miss the party. You may have your seats. Don't miss the party. Typically, this popular prodigal son parable is taught or preached from the perspective of the younger brother who prematurely acts for his inheritance, goes off to the far country, squanders the money. Eventually, he hits rock bottom and comes home to a welcoming, loving father who then throws him a welcome home party. However, this morning, we'll find that the old adage is true. There are two sides to every story. This morning, walk with me around this text as we discover it through the eyes of the elder brother who faithfully stays home and is ultimately upset that the father welcomes his brother back in a grand fashion. God gives us a subtle reminder this morning and it's this, don't miss the party. First of all, through this picture of the elder brother, Jesus says, don't let anger cause you to miss the party. The elder brother was on his way after a long day of labor in the father's field. He is tired and he just wants to go home and get some peace and quiet. But as he approaches, he hears a loud noise. He hears 
forces and laughter. Mm -hmm. He says, wait a minute, couldn't be. He says, is that a band I hear playing? No, couldn't, couldn't be a band. So he calls one of the servants over and says, what's going on over at the house? And the servant informs him of the news that he receives uh, and it's displeasing to the brother. He is upset, no doubt, by the news that there is a party going on. As you read the story in the text, you'll get a sense that people like the elder brother feel like there's too much work to do to stop and have a party. But not only is there a party, but the father is the one who has thrown the party. He's thrown a party, this party, to celebrate the fact that his younger son has finally returned home. Notice, church, what this boy does not do. He does not hear this and say, my brother, my baby brother's home. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say, let me get in there and welcome him. Instead, he refuses to go in. Why does he refuse to go in? Here's what I want you to get. He is angry. He's not angry merely about the party. He is specifically angry with his father. Not upset that the boy has come home. No doubt in his mind, the boy, the day, the day the boy left, he expected him to come back home. But he is angry that the father has welcomed this boy home. And he couldn't believe that the father has thrown him a great celebration. He is so angry, in fact, that he refuses to come in. His personal affection for his brother does not move him to come in. And his duty to his father does not compel him to come in. Amen. He is on the family property, but he is still separated from the father. That is, he's lost right in the backyard. And church, the warning for us today is that you don't have to go off to the far country in order to be lost. You can be lost right in the backyard. Because you see, separation from the Father is about alienation and not about location. Younger boy separated himself from the father by going to the far country. But the elder boy separated himself from the father by refusing to come in to the celebration. And the text suggests you can be lost without ever leaving the surroundings of the family estate. In other words, you can be religious and be lost. I I'm trying to say that, that all the lost people ain't out in the club, they ain't out in the street, they ain't all smoking weed. You can be lost and be right up in church. You can be an usher and be lost. You can be a deacon and be lost. You can be in the choir and be lost. You can be a ministry leader and be lost. You can be a preacher and be lost. Being saved means you have a relationship with the Father through faith and Jesus Christ. And so I need to warn you, church, that being in church doesn't make you any more saved than being in a garage makes you an automobile. Just being in church alone does not save you. This elder brother is a warning church that you can be religious but lost. He was lost, not because he was in the far country, but because he had the wrong attitude toward God, toward his father. In fact, the elderly brother shows us 
that a bad attitude can separate you from God just as easily as an immoral lifestyle can separate you from God. See, the problem is we only know a few sins in church. If you don't drink, if you don't smoke, if you don't cuss or gamble or sleep around, we assume you are right. But in 1 Samuel 16, when God sent Samuel to find him a new king, Jesse brought out his biggest, strongest, kingly-looking son, so much so that when Samuel saw one of the boys, he said, surely the one right there has got to be the Lord's anointed. The Lord called Samuel over and said, now Samuel, you just learn how to keep your mouth shut. You, you let me do what I'm going to do because you and I ain't looking for the same thing. We ain't looking for the same stuff because man is looking at the outward appearance. But God is looking at the heart. And so it is here, church. A bad attitude can separate you from God just as easily as an immoral lifestyle. God is not just looking at where you go and what you do. He's looking at whether or not there's a change on the inside. That's why David prayed, create in me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit. The older brother was angry with the father, but here's the good news. The father was not angry with him. When he got the news that the boy wouldn't come in, he didn't say, well, let him stay out there then. If, if he's got an attitude, he can keep himself exactly where he is. We can keep the party going, but the father could have said that, but he didn't. He could have told the service, you go back out there and you tell him I said, get in here right now, but he didn't do that either. Instead, the father left the party, went out to get the elder brother. The parables about the lost, there's a commonality. In the first parable, with the one sheep was lost, the shepherd went looking for it. In the second parable, when the coin was lost, the woman went looking for it. In the third story, when the prodigal son is lost, the father stays right where he was and waited for the prodigal son to come home. But you've got to keep reading to find in the parable the parallel because when the elder brother refuses to come in, the father did not wait for him. He went and got him himself. The father went to get the elder brother. This is an encouraging statement because the major message of this parable is that lost people matter to God, but, but this closing section tells us that people who don't who you don't think are lost still matter to God. Don't let anger cause you to miss the party. But secondly, don't let pride cause you to miss the party. Verse 28 says, he was angry and he refused to go in and his father came out and pleaded with him but he said to his father look these many years I've served you that word serve is the word for slave he, he doesn't view serving his father as an expression of his loving relationship he views this as slave labor says I've been slaving for you I've never disobeyed your command and you, you've never even given me a young goat to celebrate with my friends. I, I want you to see in verse 29 what his problem is. You can underline it or highlight it in your Bible. Here's, here's his problem. These many years, here's the first word. I, I served you. I have never disobeyed you. Yet you never gave me. Here's the second word. 
me. You never gave me a young girl that I might celebrate. Here's the third word with my friends. I, me, my. He's not in the far country with prostitutes, but he is in an illicit relationship with his overestimation of who he is. God help me to preach up in here. And, 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 and church, the disturbing thing about this is that, of course, we see in the early part of the parable that disobedience can hurt your relationship with the father and that the youngest left off and went to the far country. But now we see that obedience can hurt your relationship with the father. Obedience can be spiritually dangerous if you allow your obedience to make you think that you're more than you really are. Yeah. I, yeah. me, yeah. my, he's got a pride problem. He ain't in love with prostitutes, but he's in love with himself. Yeah. Note the text. You ought to tweet this, you ought to put this on Facebook somewhere because the smallest package in the world is a man wrapped up in himself. I think I'll say it again. The smallest package in the world is a man wrapped up in himself. He's got a pride problem. We see it first of all in his self-righteousness. These years, I've always done what you told me. I've never disobeyed. That ought to blow you away because your children couldn't come to you and tell you that same testimony, could they? He said, I've never disobeyed. I've always done what you've commanded. This is pride talking. His pride has caused him to forget that though he may have been a good son and he may not have done what the other boy did, there have been times when he's messed up as well. Let me just say to you, greater joy, that all of us in here are in the same boat. You might be a good enough person, but nobody in here can point a finger and say, y'all have sinned. The fact of the matter is that we've all sinned. Sin has taken us farther than we wanted to go, kept us longer than we wanted to stay, and cost us more than we wanted to pay. All of us have sinned. And while you may not have done what the other person sitting down your road have done, you have said some things you shouldn't have said. You've done some things you shouldn't have done. And if you didn't do it, you thought about it. You thought about doing things that should have never crossed your mind. Oh, but thanks be unto God. In spite of your faults and in spite of your failures and in spite of your mistakes, the Lord has given you another chance. So here's what you ought to do. Don't let pride negate God's purpose. Don't let your ego, E-G-O, cause you to edge God out. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a way. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Don't miss the move of God thinking more highly of yourself than you are. Don't miss the move of God complaining about things and about people that are outside of your control. Complaining about the bad chapters in your life. Let me park here and tell you that when things happen in life that are uncomfortable, 
Don't let your ego get in the way. Don't you start etching God out because God wants you to get the lesson and let go of the experience. But, but we do the opposite, don't we? Pride causes us to hold on to the experience and let go of the lesson. And that's why some of y'all are still mad up in here about something somebody did two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. They moved on with their lives. They're living like this life like it's golden. They're looking younger every day. And you sitting over there getting older and meaner and more bitter every day because of your ego. Come on, nudge your neighbor and tell them, let it go. Pride showed up in self-righteousness and bitterness, and in a lack of compassion. He exalts himself in verse 29. But now here's what pride does. Because when I exalt me, it, it may not be good enough. So, so the same prideful heart that makes me exalt me causes me to put down others. Right. So, so I don't have any compassion for anybody. Listen to what he says, verse 30. When, when this son of yours, he won't even acknowledge it's his brother. When your boy came home who wasted your money out in the far country, when he showed up, you killed a fatted cat for him. Church, it's amazing that the boy is angry about something God wasn't. Father wasn't angry. The father was glad that the son could be restored. And we ought to have a heart for justice and righteousness and truth. But you better be on the lookout if there ain't no compassion in your heart at the same time. Galatians 6 and 1 says, if any man is overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore him of a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Don't kick a man when he's down. Don't kick a man when he's down because it's someone else today, but it might be you tomorrow. And you're going to need somebody to pick you up. I don't know about you, church, but I, I don't want to go to the bank of heaven and try to make a withdrawal on mercy only for the teller to tell me there are insufficient funds. The Bible says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Don't let anger make you miss the party. Don't let pride cause you to miss the party. And finally, don't let error make you miss the party. Mark 2 verses 13 through 17, Jesus calls Levi and then he eats with him in his home. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with sinners, they began to talk amongst themselves, questioning why Jesus would even be eating with and drinking with sinners. And Jesus says, those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick. He goes on to say, I didn't come for the righteous, but I came for sinners. And, and, and let that be a word of warning for those of you that think they've got God all figured out. Be careful not to look down your nose too quickly to judge someone else's circumstances. Be careful that you don't try to put God in a box. God called you to serve him, but you can't be him. Careful not to judge so harshly that you cut folk off because of what you think they deserve or don't deserve. Let God be God. There's no limit to his love 
no match for his mercy, no grade for his grace, and no peak for his power. He's uncontainable, unimaginable, indescribable, inconceivable, and incredible. You can't put my God in a box. Yeah, yeah. Don't let error cause you to miss it. In other words, don't get it twisted. You need to be clear about two things. You need to be clear that you matter to God. Verse 31, he says to the elder brother, son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. In other words, you don't lose anything when God blesses somebody else. Amen. Father says, I, I don't understand. I, I gave your brother a ring and a robe and a cap, but I've given you everything. God is saying time out for being mad over material things. Don't sweat the small stuff. I've given you dominion and I've given you power and I've given you authority. All that I have is yours. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and they that dwell within. Is there anybody in here that can testify that you've matured beyond material things? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I how to mature beyond the material. God is saying time out about being mad over material things. Things don't matter to me like they used to matter. Things can't give me peace. Things can't give me joy. Things can't renew my strength. Come on, talk to me here. I'm seeking God for the things that money can't back. God says all I have is yours. And when God says all he has is yours, you better take him at his word. If you need peace, God's got it. If you need joy, God's got it. If you need love, God's got it. If you need strength, God's got it. Whatever you need, it's yours for the taking. All he has is yours because you matter to God. Perhaps you're here today and you just need a reminder that you matter to God. Perhaps you feel alone and overlooked like the elder brother. Perhaps you feel like everyone around you is being blessed but you. Perhaps friends have walked away and school is stressful and work is worrisome and family has forgotten about you. I've come to remind you today that you matter to God. Your life matters to God. Your dreams matter to God. Your relationships matter to God. The tears you cry matter to God. The thoughts you think matter to God. Everything that concerns you, everything that keeps you awake at night, everything that gives you anxiety, everything that causes you to stress, it matters to God because you matter to God clear that you matter to God. But not only do you matter, lost people matter to God. It says in verse 32, it was appropriate for us to have this party. It was right for us. It was befitting for us. We ain't out of order. It, it ain't being extra. It ain't being all that. It, it ain't being too much, but it's right that we celebrate because if you love God, then you ought to love what God loves. And God loves lost people. God would make greater joy a church where we will welcome his lost children to the fellowship. 
If God would only make us a church where we would love like he loves and serve like he served and celebrate like he celebrate. Come on, church. Week after week, there's a praise party going on. No imitation needed. You just need to BYOP. Bring your own praise. There's no color charge because Jesus already paid it all. There, there are no wallflowers. There are only uh, no spectators. The room is only filled with participators. Come on. Uh, we got to leave here today because we've got another service. But before we go, don't you miss the party. Don't you miss your chance to lift him up. Don't you miss your chance to thank him. The DJ is spinning his last song and it says amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I found was blind but now I see that's a good place to give God praise this morning. Now is a good time to lift him up this morning. Is there anybody in the house that ain't too clean to remember your dirt? Ain't too right to remember your wrong? Ain't too smooth to remember your wrong spots? And here's the shot for somebody. He you ain't too lost that you can't be found. You're not too far out that you can't be brought back in. Anybody glad about it this morning? Anybody?